0: The HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell.
1: And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts.
0: And in this episode, we are back once more with our Summer of Sharks sequence of movies. And we're also back in Sequel Territory. We are tackling the fourth in the Sharknado series, which is aptly titled The Fourth Awakens. <laughs> So what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, unless it's this that happens. I think that was one of the taglines for Sharknado 4, which is quite apt, I have to say. It's the fourth in an increasingly silly series of shark movies. And surely this is a movie that begs for a synopsis by the king of the synopsis himself, Nick Reganus.
1: Absolutely, it does. So in the words of Mr. Nick it's been five years since the last shark Armageddon that devastated Washington, D.C. in Sharknado 3, oh, hell no, 2015. And the world can now benefit from this hard-earned peace thanks to Ashton Reynolds' revolutionary atmosphere stabilizers. However, as Finn is heading to Vegas for a family reunion, in the meantime, menacing clouds are beginning to form, and a brand new Sharknado formation is at hand. Under those circumstances, once again, Finn, his old friends, and some new ones will have to battle against massive shark-infested cyclones in a colossal Sharknado extravaganza with thousands of razor-sharp teeth. More and more, mutated types of evolved cyclones destroy everything in their path, as the mother of all Sharknadoes awakens. Can Finn dodge a bullet for the fourth time? I think... That makes the film sound even more exciting than it actually is, in my opinion. I was a bit underwhelmed with this one, I have to say. I really enjoyed number three. And I think if they were going to end on number three, if they hadn't chosen to go out on a cliffhanger and actually kind of wrap things up nice, I think a a trilogy of Chardonnay films would have been plenty. Because I think it's kind of repeating on itself by this point. It's not as funny, and it's just relying too heavy on the cameos and the movie references. Now, bearing in mind this movie borrows its title from Star Wars, it's actually not a direct parody, even though it does contain references to Star Wars in it, as well as an abundance of other well-known movies. We have The Wizard of Oz in there, and happily, we even have Grease 2, which I think, unless you know Grease 2 super well you wouldn't spot it straight away. So um, there's a scene where there's a cameo from the actor Adrian Zamed, who plays Johnny in Grease 2, and Finn walks past him in the casino and he utters the line, who's that guy? Which is hilarious. And one day we will tackle Grease 2 on this podcast. That is a promise to you all.
0: Yeah, yeah. One day we will unveil the mystery of who exactly is that cool rider. So you'll have to <laughs> wait for that. You You will not... Believe who the cool rider turns out to be. <laughs> However, back to Sharknado 4. And you're right, there's far too many movie references in this. They've just loaded it with movie references this time. To the point where about 45, 50 minutes in, I was thinking, please stop. Let's just have some plot now. Let's just not make every other line of movie reference. There's so many Star Wars lines which are just lifted straight from the movies. So, for instance, there's Great Kid, Don't Get Cocky, there's Stay On Target, there's Red 5 going in, there's all sorts of stuff where, if you're a Star Wars fan, you think, oh yeah, that's quite cool, but when you're hearing this stuff over and over and over and over again, it does get a little bit wearing, but even so, regardless of the fact that the action's not as good this time, regardless of the fact that it doesn't seem as funny this time round, there's still some inspiration. At one point you get the Chippendales taking on the Sharks. You get an Elvis impersonator because it starts in Vegas. There's a bit of a puff piece for the Stratosphere Hotel that features quite heavily in the first 15 minutes. It delivers more or less what you expect from the Sharknado franchise, but it does feel a little bit tired this time around. I think They thought they'd got a really good title in The Fourth Awakens and then didn't really try with the rest of it, to be perfectly honest. And there are so many cameos in this. They even parody Texas Chainsaw Massacre at one point. So you get Caroline Williams out of the second movie and there's a brother of hers called Gunner. It's just, it's kind (laughs) of eye rolling some of the stuff. She says, it wouldn't be Texas without a Chainsaw Massacre which is, I mean, yeah, I'll give it, I'll be generous and say that it put a smile on my face, but I was like, oh God, at the same time. And it's full of stuff like this. And the fact is that all these people that you thought were dead in the previous movie are all back. April is back. Tara Reid is rescued by the force of the internet. The Pole came back. April lives. But also David Hasselhoff's character, Gil, who was stranded on the moon at the end of Sharknado 3 and about to run out of air. He's back. He got rescued.
1: I was very surprised to see the Hoff back in this. I'm, I'm quite in, like in surprised he came back for a, a second helping of Sharknado, but obviously he must have had a good time. Yeah, I was a bit like, didn't he die or did we think that he'd die? It's just, I just don't think you should question it. I think with Sharknado, just expect the unexpected and go with it. It's very much of that franchise. And I think I wasn't surprised that they brought April back. I think the fans would have wanted that. They wouldn't have been so callous and killed her off. So it it was great to have her back. And she's a bit of a bionic woman this time around. And her father is introduced. He's like a, a scientist played by Gary Busey. So, of course, they're going to get another well-known name in play one of the, like, um, important roles in this film. But with all that said, I just think, it, you know, you described it as tired, and I think that was the best way to explain this movie because I think they have run out of steam. Not jumped the shark so much. Because oh, um, they have... It's very much, you know, in the same tone as the previous ones, but it's more like they've kind of outdone themselves with the third movie and... They just didn't know where to go with this one. And it was just too much of those references for me.
0: It feels like for the first time in the series, they're really trying too hard. The other movies, they were just throwing things in and thinking, you know, here we go. We'll just free wheel through the movies and anything goes. And they seem to have run out of a certain amount of fun in this movie. It is going through the Martians and you can tell that they're just piling things in there in terms of celebrity cameos, and they're pulling things in from all sorts of different places. There's even Baywatch references at one point because you get Gina Lee, Nolan, and Alexandra Paul playing a couple of rocket scientists, but also who are going on about how they would rather be lifeguards, which is kind of... Again, you know, it could be funny, but it's not really as funny as it could be. Uh, it's nice to see Alexandra Paul again because I really liked her in Bearwatch. She was probably the best character on there. But uh, but apart from that, I mean, she doesn't get much of a role. She doesn't survive very long either. Spoiler alert for Alexandra Paul <laughs> fans. She's given very little screen time. But you get all sorts of other cameos. You get, um, you get Dog the Bounty Hunter at one point. He's one of the sort of chainsaw-wielding guys. You get Steve Guttenberg, who is driving yeah. driving a 57 Plymouth Fury called Christine. I mean, it's oh, that no. <laughs> It's that sort of reference. I mean, at the end of it, that it was like, oh, pl- really? Really, is this where we're going? Is the referencing going to be so on the nose now of this movie? And I realised the fact that even though they said that the car was bad to the bone, they couldn't afford... George Thurgood and the Destroyer's tune because that doesn't play, it's another tune and I was thinking, <laughs> I bet I bet they either couldn't get the rights for it or they asked too much money so that's why the tune isn't in there One of the greatest cameos in this and something that almost rescues the movie in its entirety is Storm Chaser Ron McDonald played by <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried Oh,
1: what a legend I was so saddened by his passing recently because he is like a huge part of my childhood. Of course, he's Yago in Aladdin and he's in the Look Who's Talking 2 movie and he has a hilarious role in that, which we will cover maybe, possibly soon. But yeah, he is just on top form in Sharknado 4. What a legend. So hilarious.
0: I had a massive smile on my face when Gilbert Groffrey showed up because even though... He's given a nothing role in a stupid movie. He still throws himself into it. And every time he's on screen, I was thinking, this is really good. Now, it's just a shame that they didn't give him a bit more to do. But they do cut back to him a reasonable amount. And he does survive. Well, or we think he survives. Anyway, don't, you don't see Gilbert's character get got by the Sharknado. At one point, he's talking about what's in it, which is mostly cows. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he he seems to be the one who kind of he does make it through the whole thing. But there are loads of different nados this time. There's a lava nado, a lightning nado, a boulder nado. There's a fire nado. It's like oh come on, come on! Like are we just just going through the amount of nados that we can get in this? It almost detracts from the fact that. Um, The Sharks are in the Nado. Actually, I've remembered another one. There's a Nuke Nado at the end as well because it goes nuclear. So if it wasn't stupid enough, then the Shark Nado hits a nuclear power plant at one point and then gains nuclear capabilities. I mean, at that point, I mean, you can't really say this has gone too far because the Shark Nado movies probably went too far somewhere during the first movie. But even by its very weird standards. The nuke NADO, you just think, oh my God, like I guess it's the only place they could go at the end of this, but it does feel like they're reaching. And it's weird to say that a movie that is called Sharknado 4 is reaching.
1: Yeah, it just kind of falls a bit flat in the end because as you said, they've just tried too hard with this one. They think that they're, you know, giving the audience what they want, but I think they needed to be a little bit more creativity in there with the humour, like just not relying on tired movie references. And of course, when you've got all the nados, it goes just ridiculously over the top. I think it would have be been better if they, you know, done it like say three times, but not like you know all the time. It just it just got repetitive on itself. It's a shame because I really do enjoy these movies, but I think enough is enough. And I think I'm not that thrilled about watching the last two now because if it's more of the same of this, I'll be disappointed. I want I want to see more of what the third one was like. But again, I I feel they peaked with the third one. It was so great. Like, that
0: is my favourite one. Yeah, the third one is really good. And I think it's the peak of what they were doing creatively and just throwing in fun references, but without hitting you over the head with them. This, it's so referential. And there doesn't seem to be any creativity to the action sequences. They do seem to be going by the numbers with all the action in this, which is a bit of a shame, really, because... Even though the action is very silly in the other movies, there's at least some kind of imagination with the action. Here, it's just very much, yeah, Nado's come in, Let's see how we can get rid of it. Or, and, and there's not much creativity in that either. At one point, it's going after a train that they're all on. And I was thinking, oh, this could be a really good action sequence, like the plane one in the second movie. But it's a little bit flat. And I was just a little bit uninspired by this one. Which, again, it's a shame because I really loved the first three movies.
1: Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. I definitely feel the same there. And I think they were onto a good thing, but they milked it for all it was worth. So I'm quite intrigued to see the last two. But at the same time, I'm not hyped for them like I was after the third one. I was really quite excited for this one. And it was maybe it was two two bigger expectations on my part. But, yeah, it was just a bit lazy this one this time around, which is a shame. And I think IMDb agrees with its 3.8 out of 10 rating. And then Rotten Tomatoes has a 14% tomato meter and a 25% audience score.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think probably as a Sharknado fan, I'd have probably given it slightly higher ratings than that, but not much higher. And one of the mistakes I think it does make is that although they have April Survive, It's an hour before April and Finn meet up. Why would you keep them apart for that amount of the movie? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. When they meet up, they eventually team up to kick ass. And I guess that's what it's building towards. But they seem almost two characters in two different movies until they link up. And there doesn't seem that kind of team ethic this time. Everybody seems to be doing their own thing until the very end. And yeah, it's... Uh, it's just it's disappointing that i'm not having fun with a lot of this movie because i've enjoyed everything else so much and it gets to this one and yes there are some great moments but there are not enough great moments in this yeah
1: as we've said before it just um, steals its ideas from other movies and doesn't even make them that funny it's just like oh yeah that's a line from that movie and again, when April and Finn are reunited and she's reunited with her son that she's not seen in five years, there's just, like, no atmosphere to it. There's no emotion to it. And I know these movies are meant to be silly, but, you know, we've become attached to these characters in some way. That's why we keep coming back to them. We want to see what they're going to get up to next. And, again, it just doesn't deliver.
0: Absolutely. And the kid, the kid's dialogue, most of it is the kid going, Ah! oh, because he's usually getting swept up in shark and stuff. So they don't really give the kid anything to do either, other than be a little bit dismissive of April and then go, ah for the rest of it or get stuck in a barrel. So he's trying to get out of the way of the ridiculous climax, which is at Niagara Falls. I mean, they do use various locations. It goes across America. It's in St. Louis at one point, very briefly. And it's trying to be this kind of sweeping, almost like road trip across the States. But that doesn't really work either. And considering they focused on the Universal theme park so much in the previous movie, the stratosphere bit in Las Vegas, it's almost apologetic. It's kind of, it's there. And if you know the Stratosphere Hotel, you know it's that. But they don't really use a lot of the Vegas setting. So considering they're in the oddest place on earth and Las Vegas is a perfect location for something as weird as a Sharknado. They don't really capitalise on Vegas at all. It just seems to be somewhere where something else is happening and it just happens to be Vegas.
1: Yeah, I was disappointed on that front too because when I realised this movie was going to be set in Vegas, well, obviously partly, I just thought there's so much scope with that. I wish the whole movie had been contained in Vegas. That would have been so much fun. There's so many places they could have gone with that. So it is, again, disappointing that they just take it away, that they just seem to want to move really quickly like between locations. So I think, yeah, if they'd just stuck to it like they did, as you say, with Universal, it would have been a much better movie.
0: Yeah. And even the credit crawl, because it's The Fourth awakening, so they do the Star Wars credit crawl at the start. And that Mm. in itself is reasonably amusing, considering what the title of the movie is. But... It does, again, seem a bit half-hearted. It was something that they probably thought, oh, it's a great idea to ape the Star Wars titles as they scroll up the screen. But even then, it's kind of throwaway. And it's not particularly amusing other than the fact that if you're a Star Wars fan, you go, oh, look, it's the same sort of thing. But that's pretty much it. So it doesn't really give me a lot of pleasure to say this, but it's not a great movie and it's not a great Sharknado movie either, this one.
1: No, I'm in agreement. And I actually enjoyed Jaws 4 over this. Oh, good lord. Because loss. I know, I know, controversial <laughs> opinion. But um, only because Jaws 4 was just unbelievable. I had just to kind of pause and think, what am I watching? Was that really sad? Did they say that? How is this shark travelled all the way from Amity to the Bahamas? It just, yeah. I mean, that was ridiculous. But I had more fun with that than Sharknado, which isn't right. I should be having
0: more fun with Sharknado. You're right.
1: Now, now the plan is we will be covering the last two movies of the Sharknado series next year, so you'll have to wait a while to get our thoughts on that. And I think maybe some distance for me from Sharknado will bring in a new perspective. But, yeah, I'm going to go in with very low expectations for the last two movies, but I I hope I get some joy out of them somewhere.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what Sharknado 5 is like or where it goes with the plot, because... Obviously, at the end, there's a hint as to where it's going because it finishes of sorts, but then you get a ridiculous punchline at the end where one of the characters who has not appeared in the movie suddenly comes back at the end atop the remains of the Eiffel Tower. If that moment of complete wackiness had been replicated across the rest of the film, I think it would have been a lot more fun watching it. Because at the end, it actually goes back to, it's like, what? They've done that? That's just ridiculous. And you want to be feeling that for the rest of the movie rather than thinking, yeah, saw that before and that action sequence, it's okay, but it's not very exciting, it's not very silly. And even the gore's a bit half-hearted. There's not a huge amount of gore in this one either. And yeah, the gore in the Sharknado movies right. is never that convincing. And we don't need it to be that convincing. But even so, this time, you don't really see a lot of it. Yeah, there's a guy who gets his head bitten off when he's leaning out of a train because you're kind of expecting that. But apart from that, it just seems like it's just going through the motions. And it shouldn't be. Sharknado movie should be throwing everything but the kitchen sink into it. And this one feels like it's just stuff that they needed to get in there to get to the end of the running time, which shouldn't be happening in a Sharknado movie. I should be sitting there at the end of it thinking, that was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen, but I really loved it. Whereas this time I was thinking, yeah, all right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's um, very lacklustre, unfortunately. And I think maybe Asylum got a little bit cocky and thought that they could just bring out this movie as it was and people would lap it up but I think people just expected a bit more from Sharknado
0: yeah it's unfortunate to say it but the fourth really didn't awake for me it was just left snoozing for most of the time and uh, if if only if only it could have captured just like a half of the joy of Sharknado 3 but it just falls incredibly flat and it gives me absolutely No pleasure to say that because I am a massive fan of the series and this just doesn't meet any expectations.
1: So things can only get better, we hope, in the rest of the Summer of Shark series.
0: I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 72 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening.
1: And if you enjoyed this episode and want to keep up to date with all our social media, we are on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast.
0: Coming next, it's another Summer of Sharks movie. We're not quite done yet. And on the next episode, a movie that I have seen, and it was a while ago, and I was not impressed. Let's see how I react to it next time. What is the movie going to be, Early?
1: The movie is going to be Open Water. Now, I haven't seen this movie in years either, but will it leave us out of our debts? Tune in to find out.
0: Until then, stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes, and Podbeat.